Welcome everyone to another episode of the Lifestone Family Office Insight. And today we have a fantastic program for you. I'm so excited to be sitting down with uh, Dr. Kenor Shaw. And Kenor Shaw is going to be talking with us today about just the importance of peer-to-peer, of, -peer, of learning from everyone who's around us. He's going to share a lot of what he's been doing with the top 100 doctors. And then we're going to dive in and start getting really granular on some of the issues and challenges that you face in your practice and more importantly, how you can solve them. Let's get ready for a great interview. Dr. Kenor, welcome. Thank you so much, Tim, for having me on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. So you are quite the, the expert, I'll, I'll tell you. And just in looking over your bio and a lot of the stuff that you've done, wow, is it impressive, right? You've worked with in over 300 dental offices and, and really kind of coached and interacted one-on-one -on -one with over 2,000 different doctors. Have you learned anything from doing that? Oh, yeah. You get to uh, see the day-to-day -day, uh, nuisances that uh, challenge our colleagues and uh, and uh, you, you start seeing patterns. So yes, definitely. Yeah. So what are some of the patterns that, that you've seen? And what are some things that you've picked up as you're out there kind of working in this in this peer-to-peer -peer environment? So information exchange is always an issue. We have many, many similar challenges from insurance to personal health, to those that have families, to our staff, to continuing education, to hiring. Uh, so it's daily, uh, daily uh, things break down in the office and there's quite a bit of uh, different challenges that we face. Um, so over the years, uh, uh, I took a keen interest in that and to see what we can do to, to accomplish a change so our profession doesn't erode away uh, by all of the misinformation out there and the options for continuing education and who do I contact for wealth management, who do I contact for marketing and and uh, so my main interest is in the sole proprietor that is uh, trying to find ways to flourish in their office and stand up against the competition that has unlimited resources. Right. And, th and that is the challenge today is, right, how does that sole practitioner continue to survive amidst all the competition, right? Not just from the, the large DSOs, but also the dentist who's right next door, right? How do we build those differentiation, differentiated practices? So, you know, you touched on a whole lot of issues. And, and as you've been talking to your peers, the other doctors out there, you know, what are really the most pressing issues and concerns that you, that you hear facing our community today? Well, one of the number ones is the, the insurance companies diminishing our value in the marketplace, constantly reducing their prices. We are, as a, as, a, as a whole, we are afraid to lose the patients. You know, the insurance companies became big because we started accepting them. What would happen if we stopped accepting them in the same conventional manner? Uh, uh, so that's one of the bigger things that I hear. People are working harder, they're earning less, and uh, they have less time with their families. Uh, and then the marketing issue. A lot of people are not investing properly or don't have the knowledge about how to do multi-channel marketing um, to draw patients in the door. You know, the, the dentist down the street is not my competitor. Those bigger guys are. We should be taking market share from them versus from our colleagues that can help and enable and empower us. For example, I'm in an environment where I have tremendous amount of dentists in every corner. I choose not to market and, and take patients from them. I choose to work on the weekends where uh, they don't. So I have patients coming in that need the care they need. So you have to do some outside of box thinking, but the dentist on the street is not your enemy. 
Yeah. So we've got the issues coming to us, you know, in terms of the insurance, right? Working harder, getting paid less in terms of marketing and, and attracting new patients to our practice. What other issues and concerns do you, do you see dentists facing today? Well, um, we don't we don't have a business acumen as good as it should be. In dental school, they don't teach us much about that. So a lot of dentists are not investing in their future. Some of them are working into their 60s and 70s. Even I've seen uh, people coming out of retirement, especially after that whole 2008 ordeal. And uh, that's an area where we have to up our skill is having a business acumen. And then, uh, you know, then there's the day-to-day stuff, managing the, the practice. It's half the equation is a business, regardless of how good our hand skills are and what our intentions are towards patients. A, they are looking for a completely set of different priorities than we are. They're looking for a person that smiles at them at the front desk, somebody that doesn't hurt them in the back, and cleansiness in the office where we're focused on doing the best that we can do on, on, on a patient. So there's a lot of moving parts. We're a very unique profession, but it's worth fighting for because you don't want to end up like the pharmacist. You don't want to end up like the optometrist and the medical doctors. We have had this beautiful thing where we have a patient-doctor relationship with, with, with patients and we're independent when we have our own practices. So when I work on the weekends, there's no corporocracy telling me, hey, you can't do that. I can do what I want because I'm my own boss. If I were to work with them, I'm making their dreams come true, not my own. So so, so understanding business is, 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 the, is the heart and soul of, of having a successful practice. You know, um, a lot of times you're doing things based on somebody that became a Facebook expert overnight in marketing. And we get disappointed when we pump all this money into it and we don't get the results we want. So how do we establish that? How, do, how can we become self-sufficient again and, and take autonomy, uh, you know, equity? That's another thing. People don't understand the concept of equity. When you're not the owner and you don't have the equity and you're building your business, it generates tremendous value that you can sell later in time, uh, depending on your location in the U.S., for example. Are you in the East Coast or in the West Coast? They're different numbers, but they look at your last three, four years of tax returns and they average it up and that's the value of your office. And they, they give you 70, 80 90% loan to value based on your location. When you don't have that and you're working for 25% uh, collections and some benefits that promise you uh, things that may or may not uh, uh, and often do not materialize, uh, you cannot start your life, especially for the young guy that's coming out with a half a million dollars in debt and, uh, and does not know and gets misinformation by recruiters and does not know that with $100,000, $200,000, you can build a booming practice that generates over a million year two if you do it properly with minimum amount of chairs and, and humble beginnings and uh you won't have that uh, uh 17 18 dollar month of bill from the bank uh, uh, uh so there's a lot of uh, a lot of importance in getting advice from the right people and any successful person that you know has, has had a mentor of some kind and uh, and uh your future is going to look a lot like the people that you surrounded yourself with yeah, very, very true. So, right, once again, so many issues that, that dentists are dealing with today in their practice, right? You've got to juggle so many balls. And, and do you hear one that, that, that really keeps people up at night? What are, what are dentists most worried about today, right? What are, what are they going home saying, man, I just can't sleep because I am so worried about this? Do you, do you see a really kind of common issue out of all of those that, that you just touched on? Well, making the bills, number one, a lot of us are not uh, doing 
seven seven figures in their practices. So making the bills and keeping things afloat, but that's just not enough for us. I mean, yeah, that's just not enough for us because you you keep doing that and you wake up one day when you're 60 and you're like, man, I wish I would have invested in something. I wish I would have done something different than just keeping the the boat afloat and keeping everybody fed and the bills paid and the kids uh, are going to college and all of that. So uh, a lot of regrets I hear from the older generation is that they wish they wouldn't have had to made the same mistakes that we, that, uh, that they did. And, uh, and then the younger generation could avoid that by turning to our, our higher colleagues. But the financial side of things are the most uh, common problem that I see. As, okay. Uh, you started to, to touch on this, right? The importance of mentors and learning from others, right? Peer-to-peer support. Um, I've done a lot of original research and helped underwrite the, the research on numerous books. And the most recent one that's come out is called Reaching for the Stars. And it's how driven entrepreneurs are using mastermind groups and CEO groups to continue to accelerate their success even more. I, and it's interesting. When, when we study highly successful people, we ask them a question. We say, do you want to be more successful? And I, I believe the number is like 96.3% say, yes, I want to increase my wealth even more. And then we dive into that and say, well, well, why do you want to do that? Are, are you greedy? Do you want more houses? Do you want more cars? Right? What, what's driving that? And the data is really clear. There's three primary reasons that we find successful people want to continue to grow their wealth. Number one, they want to take care of the people they love. Number two, they want to support the causes they care about. And then a small percentage of them, they want to change the world for the better. So, so it really is a giving personality that drives this ability to continue to want to grow. And the way they're doing that is through working with their peers. Now, you are an expert on this peer-to-peer networking. You have certainly applied it by working with over 2,000 dentists in, in your career on a one-on-one situation. So how did you get started? How did you get to that point realizing that asking for help is okay? Because I think that's a struggle a lot of us face. I know I certainly faced it early on in my career. I thought I had to have all the answers. And if I didn't know what I was doing, I thought I was a failure. And I thought I had to figure this out. And it wasn't until I started reaching out to others and I realized, oh, that's okay. Then success really started to happen. So how, how did you stumble on that revelation? And how did you start realizing it's okay to ask others for help? That's what peer-to-peer is about. You can't know all of the answers. We're not superhumans. Uh, uh, so peer-to-peer, what is peer-to-peer? Peer-to-peer is uh, decentralization. It's uh, when two people directly interact with, with each other without an intermediary. Uh, when I started MBA school, years after dental school, I had several private practices and started an MBA program. I got involved with this financial sector and uh, started learning the ropes and uh, eventually started advising some of their executives on, on how to implement their desires of uh, peer-to-peer in the healthcare industry. I lectured for, for, for some of the bigger conferences. And what I was learning, uh, while when you when you get involved in these kind of things, it's always a learning, teaching, doing one uh, type situation, do one, teach one, learn one uh, type scenario. So I learned a lot from them. And what they were doing is we were creating a lean system that would allow peer peer to peer to interact with another and uh, essentially remove uh, most of the banks out of the equation. And uh, and it was working really good for them. And it's all based on blockchain blockchain and decentralization. You got a ledger, everybody's got their eyes on the ball and everybody helps. So 
my question was, why can't we implement that in healthcare and other industries where we can uh, create self-sufficient systems for ourselves uh, uh, directly through peer-to-peer? Um, and uh, the idea started flourishing. We did a global summit in 2018 where we brought in um, 40 uh, some speakers, uh, no, 50 some speakers from 40 some countries and, uh, and sort of uh, interacted and created a toolbox in implantology for our colleagues and who and how and when to engage this community. Then that evolved into a board and a global executive summit in 2019. And uh, out of that came uh, the top 100 uh, doctors in dentistry, the 2020 top 100 doctors in dentistry, which uh, I'd like to get into uh, with you a little bit more on. But that's another example of what peer-to-peer can establish. Peer-to-peer is access. Access is, is power, just the same way as knowledge is power. So uh, in, in, in answering your question, if you turn to your colleagues and your colleagues are going to give you an advice, that could save you thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars over your career versus making the same mistakes and saying uh, what you just said, Tim, is I got to figure it out. You can't figure everything out. This is not like we're reinventing the wheel. It's already been done many, many times with many, many different groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, the right people know what works and what doesn't work. So it's very important that you turn to your uh, peers for advice versus uh, people that have uh, uh, lesser fraternity to this industry. Yeah. So, no, no, right. I, I, I hear that. And that's something I, I struggled with early on was, right, turning to other successful people in my industry, right, specifically the wealth advisory, financial advisory world. And, you know, early on in my career, I was around a lot of advisors that were very close to the chest, very competitive, and they didn't want to help. And that kind of set the stage. But then, then I discovered a whole new network of other advisors that, uh, you know, I'm in a mastermind group now with about 240 elite advisors, some of the best of the best out there. And I'm sitting next to guys who are, who are the top in their firm who run multi-billion dollar RIAs and I'm picking their brains and all they want to do is share how I can be successful. And so, so have you found that true in dentistry that, that there, there is that givingness and that willingness to share? Those are the leader. Those are true leaders. The people that try to pick other people's people up. The, the competitive ones you don't you don't want to you don't want to work with those they will just drag you down um, so in order to excel I have younger doctors that are just recently graduated call me all the time I heard you on this podcast and I heard you on that podcast and I'm on the phone with them for an hour and a half two hours trying to figure out what they achieve what they want to achieve and advise them accordingly as to what my experiences were so there are people out there that will receive you and they will give you the information that you need and they gladly do it as part of that uh, smaller group that you mentioned that wants to change the world uh, and help the causes that they care about. So those are the people that you have to seek out. Um, and, and that's the only way you're going to prosper. But knowledge ultimately is your biggest friend uh, in any industry. Yeah. Well, right. Um, so where do I find these people, right? If I'm a dentist, if I'm struggling in my practice and I'm saying, man, I, I just don't know where to turn, right? I've got those cash flow issues. I've got the, the issues with insurance. And, you know, my, the, the guy down the street certain, certainly isn't telling me, you know, I'm part of my local dental society and they're kind of helpful, but where do I find other people that I can take this journey with? So reputation is obviously most important. My idea in this scenario was to go to leaders of industry, which I'm doing. Uh, just like yourself, I'm creating a series with uh, all of the big names of industry that have been at it for 30, 40 years. You know, Dr. Blatchford this afternoon at, two o'clock, at 4 o'clock Pacific, we have, a, we have a, a podcast on how to beat the insurance monster. And 
and with Dr. Christensen, I'm talking about practical continuing education. Uh, with uh, with uh, Dr. Odiatu, we're talking about personal health and the correlation with productivity. Um, and on and on it goes. I have 15 or 16 of these. So I'm gathering up that information and, uh, and then packaging it up and give it to our colleagues and they can do what they wish with it. But uh, you have to seek people that have A, done this. B, as dentists, we love evidence-based research. Evidence-based research. So if they have a track record that shows that something works, that's, uh, that's not something that works for two months, three months, that has worked uh, repeatedly and, and verifiably, just like the scientific method that you're used to, then uh, you just uh, approach it that way from, from the scientific method perspective. You want to see something that works. And, and, uh, and you can, uh, you can uh, if you talk to 10 doctors and you get their opinion on who is the leader in certain aspect of industry, you might have, a, you might have five different guys that come up, but... At the end, uh, you get to choose the one that you want to work with, and that becomes your partner. You know, not vendors. You need partners, like your accountant and your attorney that you call every month. You need partners that 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 will that will uh, take you to the next next step. Not people that are there for for a monthly stipend and and that's it. And thank you very much. You know, some people that care about you and your business. Yep, very true. So I'm Tim McNeely. I'm talking with Dr. Kanor Shah here, and we are diving deep into the issues that dentists are facing in their practices and, and the challenges that they're overcoming. So we've spent a little time talking about the, the pressing issues in their practice. We've dealt with some of the insurance, the, the marketing, the patients, the differentiating yourself, just that survival. So Dr. Kanor, as you're out there looking at some of the personal financial challenges faced by the dentist today, what are some things that you're seeing the community face? So, we hear about all of these uh, people that have done well in a particular uh, investment that they've gotten engaged with. One, one big thing uh, that we have to focus on is also what, you know, our thirties, our forties, our fifties, our sixties, maybe early sixties, we can practice comfortably. And then the pain starts kicking and the neck pain and the back pain, and the hand issues and all of that. So we have to have a plan to be able to, to, to away from that. The mutual funds, there are, there are these vehicles and those vehicles that give you a good ROI, uh, some more riskier things out there. And some people get burned and some, some don't. We're not financial people. We can't know it all. We already have 10 different hats on, on that you're trying to juggle on a daily basis. So it's very prudent to find the right person to work with to, uh, to put a little bit aside for the future, for, 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 the, for the rainy days. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's one thing that maybe you can uh, give us some ideas on today. Yeah. So, so in those financial challenges, though, what I hear you saying is, is you see a lot of doctors that really don't have a plan for the future. They kind of show up, they go to work, and they just hope it's all going to turn out okay. Yeah. Some false ideas are that you can set up five offices, 10 offices like the DSOs and somehow, somehow be skiing somewhere and be done one day and hit it big. But wealth is built over time and yeah. it's built, built with patience and it's built with uh, persistence. Um, so, so that big, that big uh, break that uh, most of my colleagues are looking for may never come. Yeah. And, uh, and not all of us can run five practices. You know, I'm doing more out of two chairs in a small practice working three days a week than I did when I had six offices, 90 plus staff members, 12 doctors. And on I, and on it goes. I, I, and did that just happen or was that by design? 
uh, I <laughs> it must have been a message from God, but I'm a lot happier. I have a lot less stress. I have a lot more time with my family. I enjoy life. I have a good office manager that does uh, just about everything. These uh, these bigger outfits uh, uh, tell our colleagues that they need to uh, they need to have or they can't succeed. Uh, so it's picking your right team, uh, uh, finding the right location. That's where it all starts. You gotta you gotta envision what you want your life to be like when you pick that when you select yeah. that office. Do I want somebody uh, in a high scraper and spend a lot of money in marketing? Do I want to be in a high foot traffic area? And then that's where it starts. And and then you can set your hours. You can work four days a week and easily make a million dollars a year or produce a million dollars a year and and have a good life. Uh, that's stress-free uh, without all of the nonsense that comes with it. And you can start investing and doing things that you want. And uh, and uh, and then you take uh, your knowledge and you spread it to other doctors and help them. So that's like causes. Or you do what Dr. Williams does or some others where you go and do mission trips and you provide free care in your office and you differentiate yourself that way versus uh, uh, other competitive way. Community service is also very big. So as you can see, we have so much going on through our minds that investment uh, is sort of, sometimes it's just like, hey, uh, it's now, it's not the future, but that's, yep. a, that's the wrong approach. Yeah. So in, in the doctors that, that you're talking to, that you're collaborating with, as you're hearing the, the stories from people, how many would you say are actually able to successfully address all these challenges? All of them, very few. If I had to put a number on it, I'd probably say um, 10 to 20% have mastered on how to manage all of those factors. Yep. Um, and in that 10 to 20%, what are they doing differently? How, how are they able to, to really make progress where 80% of everyone else is struggling? What are they doing differently? I've noticed that they have a fire in them and they have a desire to succeed and excel and live the life that they want it. And uh, they make mistakes and they make more mistakes and then they make more mistakes and then they get really smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, my hope is to avoid that for a lot of doctors so they don't have to go through those ropes. But ultimately, they're very driven. They're uh, always willing to help others from the people that I know that have succeeded very well. And they lift people up, and in the process, they themselves get lifted up. Yeah, very true. So so there's that, that drivenness, right? And, and that, that's something I've, I've studied a lot that I'm always looking at, right? How, how do we increase that internal drive? And for me, one of the big keys got unlocked. A couple, oh, last year, I read a book called Willpower Doesn't Work by one of my favorite authors, Benjamin Harding. And in Willpower Doesn't Work, Ben talks so much about how it's not about willpower, right? Because we've got limited resources inside of us to, to make the choices, to, to do the things we want. But the act of journaling, the, the act of reconnecting with our why every single morning, that can help increase drive, that can help increase performance, and actually put us in a peak state every single day. And, and that exercise, and I've adopted that, I've been doing it oh, nine months now, and, and it has been a major game changer of just spending every morning journaling, reconnecting with my why, reconnecting with my purpose. And that's something our listeners may want to consider doing too, because that will help increase that drive and that purpose. And that can help you seek out those answers and really get outside of your comfort zone. It's funny you say that. I had a doctor give me one-time advice, uh, and we were sitting there, and he's like, Doc, if you want to achieve all the things that you want to achieve, you got to paint a little portrait, put it by your bed, and every morning you get get up, you look at that portrait, and 
that's how your day starts. And you yep. say, I'm going to achieve this regardless of everyone, the haters, the people that are going to interfere with my, my progress. And you just keep plugging away and you keep doing the same thing over and over. And eventually it becomes your story. Yep. Very, very true. So in terms of some of the stuff that you've done with the, the peer-to-peer, now that's also transitioned into your top 100 doctors. Can, can you share a little bit about what you're doing with that? Yes, the uh, platform, the platform, the peer-to-peer, an example of a peer-to-peer platform. So out of the executive summit and the global summit, uh, a board of regions were formed of nine individuals from six different countries, including Egypt, uh, United States, um, Persia, we have Greece uh, and, uh, and others, and India and so forth. And these gentlemen are... Uh, highly accomplished individuals, multi-practice owners, uh, could be uh, researchers, innovators. And out of that, we decided to put this platform together where uh, we opened up for nominations. uh, And uh, all of these uh, doctors started sending in nominations to be considered for this, uh, uh, for this uh, enterprise. And uh, it wasn't just about having clinicians. If somebody really studies this, the, 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 the people that are on there, that were nominated and eventually ratified uh, to, to a selection process. Um, you have researchers, you have innovators, you have entrepreneurs, you have uh, somebody that's got 33 patents, another guy that's got 37 patents. You have some guy that has 800 plus research articles. You have one that has uh, uh, been in continuing education aggressively that most doctors know and on and on it goes. So again, it was a test run of what we can do with creating a peer-to-peer platform where we can turn to colleagues that have established themselves as leaders of industry to give us advice that we can further disseminate amongst our colleagues out there. That was the first, uh, well, actually it was the third act, but uh, essentially the first functional platform, not about being the best and not about selling $89 plaques that you can put on the wall. You don't do any of those. There's no money exchange. It's all about decentralization and allowing colleagues to work together in a capacity where they wouldn't have access otherwise. And it's working. Um, the The matter has been published in over 20 countries since January 1. There is um, uh, over 100 chat rooms where we have gotten some mostly good responses. And some people that don't understand it or don't ask questions have uh, nothing positive to say. Uh, but ultimately, if you're still drawing that picture that's on the wall, and we're going to continue uh, uh, disseminating this information to our colleagues so they can turn to us and we can uh, guide them uh, based, on the, based on the learnings that we have done from some of the most established doctors in the world. So 70 plus countries have come together for this project. Wow. Well, this is a global effort to bring together the best of the best. How, how incredible. So, so if I'm a dentist, if I want to access this, this knowledge, how do I do that? Contact us. There's some information on the website, info at um, top100doc.com. There's also a nomination process. Our intent is to grow this network. Uh, so every time you onboard the next, uh, the next group, that we have more and more access and more and more reach. And eventually, you know, the board is starting to talk more in the direction of an independent uh, dental organization that uh, that uh, can establish this uh, this ledger, this central this decentralization, where we can exchange not only information and knowledge, but possibly products and other things, uh, uh, products and continuing education and advice on wealth and 
And so everybody can kind of keep their eye on the ball and see if you can uh, regain autonomy over our profession. Okay. So is this an organization that I as a dentist can, can join and be part of? Do you have conferences or publications? Right. How, how do I really interact with you? So currently uh, for 2020 and 21, we are scheduling a world gala. Um, we are looking at uh, venues at the G20 summit. I'm speaking to them. Uh, uh, we may be invited to it uh, the way it's going so far. And there's going to be a global interdisciplinary summit, uh, probably the late 2020 or early 2021, uh, somewhere in there, depending on how this all plays out. But at this global interdisciplinary summit, what we want to do is bring in all of the different um, educational aspects, endo, perio, pros, uh, ortho, uh, uh, and, uh, and uh, restorative and implantology, and sort of bring some experts in those fields into under one roof so our doctors have access to. It's a multidisciplinary approach too. You know, people go to one conference that they like, but they don't interact with these other people, and there's a, there's a break there a lot of times. So a global interdisciplinary summit is on the agenda. A world gala is on the agenda where we're going to honor some of our colleagues and reveal more information on how to get engaged. But again, this is only the third act, and there will be many more. Oh, how exciting. And I know one of my favorite radiologists and my wife's classmates, Dr. Heidi Kultafarber, is one of your top 100 doctors. So Heidi, congratulations. And, and she certainly is one of the best of the best out there when it comes to, to radiology and what she's doing. She's having a massive impact. So, so the quality of people you are bringing in is just absolutely outstanding. Let's talk about Heidi. Yeah. You, have a, you have a female professional that has countless degrees, established a business on her own, helps many, many doctors overcome the issue of, uh, of analyzing their radiography, is pleasant to everyone. Uh, you, you know, this is the qualities that we're looking for. Uh, she lifts everyone up. It's just a very nice person to interact with besides all of her, all of her long list of degrees and accomplishments yeah. and, and so forth. So this yeah. is the kind of person that can lift us up, that can bring us together. Right, That's exactly. She's nudging the industry in the, in the direction it needs to go and wants to go, right? Like you said, really helping other doctors understand what they're doing in terms of the, the radiology and, right, just absolutely incredible success. And so, right, I can't wait to see who the other 99 are and get to know them too. Yes, definitely. Uh, so top100doc.com, you can click on any of the photos and kind of get to learn these people. If doctors want to communicate with them or interact with them or have questions for them, they're not all clinicians. You have uh, uh, executives that are running big enterprises that are dentists in places of authority. Um, just drop me a line, Kianor, uh, K-I-A-N-O-R, dot Shaw at gmail.com. And I will gladly uh, uh, connect you guys and, uh, and hope that uh, something positive will come, come, come together. Yeah. So, you know, right, you're doing such great work in terms of connecting the community, bringing people together, that peer-to-peer that -to -peer, peer aspect, right? Getting rid of the intermediaries. I, I absolutely love that. So, you know, I, I'm actually married to a dentist and, and I always thought my job as a financial advisor was to manage the investments really well, right? Pick the right mutual funds and stocks. Right? I thought that's what I did. And met my wife, and lo and behold, just like you and I have talked about, there's a whole lot more that dentists are concerned about. And I had been really struggling with being a financial advisor. So all of a sudden, I found myself in a job I hated, 
and I couldn't take care of the person I love most, right? Something needed to change. And so that's where I really started diving in and, and looking for peer-to-peer -peer research, right? Looking for others who could help me solve the issues my wife was facing. And through that process, I got hooked up with this community, this mastermind group that I'm part of, of world-class advisors. And we really started to move the needle for my wife's practice. And we got back to being on top of the world. But sometimes life will throw you something that you're not ready for and not expecting. You touched on this earlier, right? Dentistry is hard. My wife had to start to have a lot of problems with her hands. She couldn't even hold the forceps to do extractions anymore. Now we're not just worried about the practice. We're worried about our personal lives too. What's going to happen if she can't practice dentistry? And one of the strategies that I learned by being part of this peer-to-peer -peer group was this concept called stress testing. And stress testing is where you actually question the underlying assumptions of your existing wealth plans to make sure they're going to deliver as advertised. And so when we did this stress test, we actually discovered an error in our financial plans. They, they were set up in such a way that her disability policy was fully taxable. That was a huge mistake. We caught it, we corrected it, and doing that gave us the income we were going to need if she couldn't really industry anymore. Uh, yeah, right. Simple mistake, right, by a well-meaning advisor who sold her the policy, who's what I call a pretender, right? Really nice person, had her best interest at heart, but he didn't have the technical skills to deliver what she needed. So caught that air, breathed a huge sigh of relief, and I'll never forget the day sitting down in San Diego with my wife waiting for the specialist to come in and tell her if she had a future in dentistry. Do you have children? Uh, we have two beautiful standard poodles. Oh, two beautiful standard poodles. So, yeah, <laughs> Wonderful. two beautiful poodles. And they, they work in the, the dental practice as certified therapy dogs. <laughs> so, right, we're, we're driving things forward that way too, right? We try to be different and, and, and provide a great patient experience. But, you know, I'll never forget that day waiting for the doctor to come in. And the reason I won't forget that day is it didn't matter what he was going to tell Dana when he walked in that room. We had run the numbers, we had done the planning, and we knew that regardless of the outcome, we were going to be okay. And that's my why, right? We talked about reconnecting with purpose. That's what gets me up every morning is I don't want another dentist, another dentalpreneur on my watch to ever find themselves uncertain about the future. I want them to have certainty and I want them to be able to simplify complex financial lives so that they can achieve what's important to them. And so, right, I love your mission. I love what you're doing. I think it's super, super important. Um, so, right, as an advisor, right, who, who helps dentists try to achieve more and and simplify their financial lives. What are some ways that I can be most helpful to the community? What do you What do you see doctors lacking? How can I continue to assist them well? My interest uh, uh, was when we first started talking is that you were writing a lot of articles in, in, in valuable journals and they get picked up. And that's very interesting because a lot of our doctors are reading these journals. So uh, perhaps you can put your input in on it and how peer-to-peer uh, -peer mastermind groups are a brilliant idea. You know, I'm going to reveal something that not many people know about right now, but on uh, next week, I'm doing a podcast with Jay Abraham, the godfather of marketing oh, wow. at his office. And, uh, and uh, we're creating some mastermind groups for uh, creating a referral system for dentists. And that's one uh, that's uh, that's going to come out next week. Uh, hopefully, I should be able to start uh, pushing that out. But sometimes uh, mid next year, we're going to have workshops where we're going to bring in a group of masterminds for doctors to increase their referral um, abilities by the preeminent expert over 400 industries and 
known as the $2.7 billion man. So I am very interested to hear what he has to say. Yeah. And uh, mastermind groups are a great idea. You could, uh, uh, you could uh, um, uh, serve as an, uh, as a, as an advisor uh, when I have inquiries or when we have inquiries until we figure out as a community, once we establish the environment that the peer to peer, the idea is cemented right now. I'm going around and doing a lot of podcasts, taking a lot of interviews and, and sort of uh, revealing what we want to accomplish uh, the same way they did in the financial industry. Once that idea is cemented and, and these guests that are really causing wedges in our industry and creating barriers realize that, you know, guests that don't behave well usually are asked to leave the party. Uh, then we can start uh, deciding as a unit on how we want to structure it. There's ways to also do uh, funds for insurance settlements and, and, and life and controlled by us uh, versus all of these other uh, people that are interfering with the patient-doctor relationship. So, so it's a process. Anything is a process, but I think we have accomplished a lot since it started. And it's just going to uh, essentially that spark is going to eventually catch fire once more and more people uh, understand and educate themselves about what peer-to-peer is all about. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned the, the different publications and the different journals out there. You know, so often a lot of the dental journals are very geared towards clinical only, right? You, you open it up and that, and then they've all got clinical stuff. So, you know, I, I like journals like Dental Economics, where, where they're addressing the other issues that, that dentists, you know, don't get taught in dental school. What are some other publications that you're a fan of that you're reading and that your colleagues are reading where these types of articles would be helpful? So I would probably publish in a journal of the American Dental Association. I would get involved with AGD. I would also get involved with uh, uh, Dental Economics, um, Dentistry Today, uh, there's Medmark out of Arizona. Those are good people. Dental Entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, several others um, for your purposes. But uh, if you are talking about uh, clinical stuff, most of us read journals that uh, are a particular part of a society uh, yep. that put, puts them out and they're more academic in nature. Exactly. Uh, but- yeah, right. You're not as likely to, to find an article about personal wealth building or having the right mindset in a clinical journal as you are some of these other publications you mentioned. Yes, correct. So, um, yes. So journals, um, uh, those, those type of journals are, are read by most doctors, uh, yeah. some shape form or another it comes across their office and, uh, it's a big undertaking, uh, but, um, you know, like I said earlier in this discussion, just the way insurance companies were accepted by us, they could also leave uh, by our by our demand if they don't uh, start um, start shaping up. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. It, it, time to time to raise up and realize who has the true power out there, and it's not the insurance companies. Without us, they're nothing. Without yep. us, none of these groups are anything. If we, you know, another issue with dentists is that a lot of times we have certain egos, certain, um, certain disputes, and then and, and, and create problems for other doctors. But if we just put all that aside for one minute, we could so quickly gain our autonomy back. You know, the, the profession used to be such a beautiful thing with your patient-doctor relationship that was sacred. Now these companies are turning it into a marketing function for profit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen, and uh, I've sort of dedicated my life and, and, and Turning that around a little bit. 
Yeah. So what advice would you have to the new dentist coming right out of school? They, they called you up on the phone and say, man, I'm just, I'm just really struggling to, to figure this all out. What would you tell yeah. them? Um, again, you're either going to live your own dream or you're going to, you're going to work to, to make someone else's dream come true. Um, I give you a classic example. I took a hundred thousand dollar investment negotiated uh, all my sub vendors out for a year or two, uh, um, the big ones. My CT was over $120,000. I talked to them. I told them, hey, I'll sign your contract, but I'm not going to pay you for a year. I'm going to build my business. And I bought cheap chairs and humbled with the, the beginnings, two chairs. I made it as nice as I could with the little money that there was. And we clocked in $800,000 the, the first year and over a million the second year. And we used those funds to upgrade our chairs within eight months. We got the most beautiful chairs. It was a $30,000 investment for two chairs. But at the beginning, it was a five $6,000 investment, you know. So uh, everything comes from humble beginnings. You don't need a half a million dollars to go in debt to start a practice. Your location is key. Start your own business. If you're uncomfortable to get into it with your half a million, dollars $300,000 debt, whatever it is, start working for another dentist for your colleague as an associate for a short amount of time. Uh, in fact, my very first practice I didn't buy, I was six, six months associating with another dentist and then I bought. But uh, um, you can associate with a guy, you don't have to pick up all their bad habits, but you get to get your feet wet and see how this all works. It's not like what they're teaching you in dental school. Nothing like it, it's a whole different world out here. Yeah. And, uh, and your personality really comes out, you know, putting your hand on, on a patient's shoulder goes a very far away. Uh, bringing them a blanket and all those little things that, that make a difference in your practice. But uh, ultimately, my recommendation is try to work for yourself. You can, if I can do it, you can do it with $100,000 uh, on top of your four or $500,000. Uh, but uh, you build equity and you build, uh, you build wealth that way. You might not be able to practice uh, five days a week in that office. You might do three days while you're associating with, with your dentist buddy for, for two days a week to keep things afloat. It all comes from humble beginnings. Turn to people that have, that have, uh, that give you the, the information that is in your best interest, that have a track record, that have done this, that have seen it come and go, that know what works and you will prevail. Anybody can do this. And that is where it starts for us. We can outcompete all of the corporations with community service. We have man maneuverability. You can move very quickly. They can't. And if they make a decision, it's usually a, a very big decision that has to go to a, a bunch of channels and bureaucracy and all of that. You can move very fast. Community service will get you. A lot of patients will differentiate you. If you're in a position to do one day of free dentistry a month or something like that, that will differentiate you. Talk about getting free press uh, uh, and doing something good in the world. There's a lot of things that you can do to differentiate yourself. But the guy down the street that's a dentist is not your problem. He's your colleague. You know, they say if you're five miles apart, you're best friends. It's not true. I don't look at my colleagues that way. There's plenty to go around. There's not enough dentists to care for all the patients that need down, you know, 300 million plus Americans. Yep. It's just you got you to think outside the box, turn to your colleagues, engage into peer-to-peer -peer activities, and we shall regain uh, some autonomy back from uh, what we have lost over the years. So then right along that same veins, what would you tell the person who's in the middle of their career? They're feeling burnt out. They're tired. They're feeling all the pressure from the insurance and growing the practice and running it well. What message would you have for them? Well, maybe it's time to bring on a younger colleague to, to, to train them to transition out and, and have them take over your practice. 
what you have built is something phenomenal. It's something beautiful that takes time. You can't build a practice over six months. It's time. If you have done it for five, 10, 15 years is a great value in that for it. Maybe there's something else out there for you. Maybe you can, uh, uh, use all that information and then and, and, and create wealth online for yourself. I have a guy that had three offices here in Southern California, he sold it. Now all he does is making seven figures by teaching other doctors on how to scale up their continuing education courses online. Uh, so, the, you know, you have to be, there is a, there's a bigger world out there than just clinical practice for us. We could be in the positions of advising others on marketing, advising others on supply chain advising others on continue whatever it is um so maybe it's time to bring on another dentist maybe it's time to sell out maybe it's time to get out a network with all of the insurance companies and give patients their receipts and help them file for it like uh, accepting but not uh, but not actually being in network with them like dr blashford promotes or or group enjoying masterminds to get out of the 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 the, the, the the hell you find yourself in when you're frustrated and you go to work and it's no longer fun and everything is a nuisance. Uh, uh, you can turn that around very easily by getting with the right people. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I'll, I'll ask you my next question here, but that's such an important point on the, the peer to peer. Also, it's not just about going to your peers for advice, but it's also the ability to call one of your peers up and say, you know what? I had a horrible day today. It absolutely sucked. I'm burnt out. Here's all the bad stuff that happened. And there's nothing better than having someone come back and say, yeah, I know what that's like. It's happened to me too. And, and right. And that right. And we get strength when we do that. And then you'll get the call from your buddy saying, oh my gosh, you know, I had a terrible day and you can say, you know what? I know what that's like, right? Just that camaraderie and being able to, to struggle through life together, right? That's so valuable. And I think that helps keep our energy. That helps keep our drivenness up is because we know we're not alone. And as, a, and as soul practitioners, so often we feel very, very alone. So that's another major benefit of the, the peer-to-peer. And then All lastly, the time. Right? All the time. Yeah. You, you want to throw in the towel. You've had it. You messed yeah. up on an extraction. You did this. You had a bad root canal. Yeah. You have this all the time. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have bad days and, uh, and uh, you just got to shrug it off the next morning. It's a new day and everything uh, happened. Uh, a lot of time happens to go well the next day if you have the right attitude and you move on. Yep. Right. And sometimes it's just nice to have a buddy who says, man, that sucks. I know what it's like, right? And they don't have to fix it for you. They don't have to make it better. All they have to say is, dude, I know what that's like, right? And, and that's so comforting to know that, oh my gosh, there's someone else going through the same junk I'm going through. And that motivates us and keeps us going. Lastly, what would you tell that practitioner who's five to 10 years off, who says, man, I, I'm getting ready to, to get out of this. And once again, you know, I'm just kind of hanging on. What should I do? How, how do I, how do I get driven again? Right. How, how do I make my last five or 10 years the best? So a lot of my friends, I tell them, Hey, you know, innovation is very new in dentistry that drives our, our, um, our industry forward. Um, a lot of, for example, extraction instruments didn't come out till the late sixties, early seventies, including the high speed handpiece. I always use that classical example. So we're fresh 50, 60 years into a lot of these innovations. There's new innovation coming out every day. What I'd like for my colleagues to consider is when you're sitting there and you get annoyed by, by, by the bite paper that you have to use 10 times on a, on a, on a wet field to get what you're looking for, find an innovation, find something different that, that solves that problem. Anything, that, anything and everything that, that, that creates a nuisances for you in, in, in the practice, 
is probably thousands and thousands of other people are experiencing the same same darn nuisance so if you provide that your value goes up goes up mm. and uh, your mindset you know while you're sitting there instead of worrying about how bad of a day you had yesterday you know ask yourself how can i solve this little paper problem you know or how can i solve this problem that problem and that uh, uh could be that could be your that could actually be your ticket if you actually uh, do that properly but uh that's not how you should orient your life. You still have to have a wealth plan. You have to have a plan for your for your family and for the future, and you got to stay the course. But that's one area you could really excel at. And, uh, hmm. Innovation. Company- oh, I, I I love that, right? And, and how simple, right? Sometimes the, the obvious thing we miss, right? And once again, that's the value of peer-to-peer is I love that idea, right? Look for something that's not working in your practice. Look for those things that bother you and talk to all your peers about it and say, how do you deal with this? And I bet you after a couple conversations, like you mentioned, you'll have a new innovative solution and you'll all of a sudden be excited about doing it again because you got a better way. That's right. And then ideas start flourishing. How can I yeah. solve this? You're sitting there, you're watching TV, you're having dinner with the family. And then it's just, got, I, have not, I have some patents I'm, I'm working on, but the light bulb will come out and it's like, oh my God. What, how, how many of my colleagues could I help uh, uh, put this mm. nuisance aside? And, and it could be the smallest thing. Yeah. But that's a great area. It's an exciting area, innovation. Nobody has a problem with innovation. You know what I mean? Yep. Everybody loves a good innovation, a yeah. good product, a good uh, system, a good technique, a good method. Uh, so that's an area that uh, there's vast amount of potential in that. Uh, you know, they're already looking at computers doing fillings and stuff like that. It's, it's mind boggling, yeah. but uh, you can excel in that space. Uh, and uh, I highly recommend an innovative mind goes very far in yeah. life. Well, I'm Tim McNeely. I've been having a fantastic conversation with Dr. Kenor Shai, who is actually in one of my favorite parts of California, out in Palm Desert, Palm Desert, Palm Springs, Coachella Valley. I, I love the Coachella Valley. It's beautiful out there. I go out to Desert Hot Springs, soak in our hot tub with the natural mineral waters. Great part of the world you're in. We've been having a fantastic conversation on the benefits of peer-to-peer networking and exchanging ideas with your colleagues. We've talked about the top 100 doctors, which is bringing together the best and the brightest so that you can learn from them and we can increase that shared knowledge. And we've been diving in, talking about the challenges that dentists face in their practices today and some of the solutions, some of the ways that you can solve those things. So this has been a great great conversation. Uh, Dr. Shaw, before we sign off here, is there anything else that you'd want to share with our community or some closing thoughts that you have? Well, first of all, thank you for your time today. That was uh, quite a nice uh, podcast. Um, I continue to encourage my uh, colleagues with the same message that I do in all of my podcasts. Seek out your your experienced colleagues and uh, be very uh, aware of all of the forces that are interfering with the patient-doctor relationship, which mm. trickles chair-side. Ultimately, we need to be in charge of material selection, staff selection, practice hours, uh, and on and on it goes. It all trickles down to the same thing, um, the autonomy that we uh, so much need uh, to have in our practices. And if you have problems in those areas or any other areas in your life and practice, do not hesitate to reach to us or reach out to us or any of your colleagues that you think would be the best source for you to take the next step. But silence is the, is the worst thing that you can do, hmm. uh, which uh, creates more and more problems internally for you. 
we're here for you. And uh, a dentist is your best friend. You're a dentist, you're a dentist, and you're married into a dental family, which is lovely. So you hear all of the, oh, yeah. all of the stories, uh, but we're all in it together. And if we work together and collaborate, it's going to be great for our industry. Wow, Dr. Shaw, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your insights, your wisdom, your knowledge. And most of all, thank you for having an impact on, on this wonderful community that really does make people smile. So thank you again for your time and get out there and continue making an impact. Thanks so much. Have a great day, Tim.